Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. Well, thank you, Joel. I am... um, I feel like we're about to enter into spiritual gluttony, maybe a little bit. (laughs) I feel like we've been eating and feasting so much on what God's been up to in the last 36, 40-ish hours, and I think it's okay because it's on on God, you know, and this morning when we were praying, we were kind of uh, using the food analogy and saying that there's a lot of rich food being served. Um, God is kind of putting forth the best, I feel like, food to be eaten. And sometimes you come across a plate of food and you're like, oh, I've never had that before. Um, I don't know if I, I don't know if I got the guts to try that. And so I just want to invite you further to, to try what God's serving. And if you have, have you seen it and you're like, I, I think I know what that is. I think I've heard about that. Take, take a bite and see how good the Lord is. And you'll, your palate is going to widen like you've never had it widen before. So I am definitely riding a bit of a high from this weekend. Um, one of the things I help oversee around here is our Kingdom Calling Discovery. That's a, a real um, fanciful way of saying that you're on purpose and you have some particular wiring. And so uh, even yesterday we were doing a, a breakout session and, and had some folks... Uh, some of them rediscovering that, some of them finding it for the first time, and we were kind of wrapping up, and um, we had a little a little in- encounter with uh, with a guy who was saying, "Hey, I want to, I, I really want to discover this. This sounds like really something I need." And so we were kind of, you know, one on one, and he was beginning to kind of say what he was saying, and then somebody else came up, and they said, "Hey, I, I can, I can help. Um, I can," t- and, and just brought such clarity to what he was wrestling with. And I thought, oh my word, I am witnessing exactly why we do this right here unfold in front of my face. Somebody is discovering their kingdom calling. Somebody else is using their kingdom calling. And this thing is happening right like we hoped it would. And so that so far to me is one of the big highlights. Then last night we were in here singing all the Camp 90 songs we could think of spontaneously. <laughs> and so it's just wonderful, you know. Now we've got we're going to tell Alexa to play all these songs we were singing last night and ride that wave for a little bit. So God is, he, he's so faithful to say, oh, you're wanting me to show up here already there. And he's just been on display all day long with that stuff. So what I want to uh, chat about this morning as we're talking about all in is really I want to preach to myself, <laughs> if I could. You're welcome to listen and maybe get something out of it, but this is, uh, this is really relevant for me personally. Um, about two weeks ago, I heard the Lord tell me that he's waking my spirit man up. Waste in my dream, you know, pelvis, you've got to be healed. It's waste in my dream, you know, pelvis, you've got to be healed. It's time, it's time. And so anyway, I'm like, almost like when you wake up from a bad dream and you got the sweats a little bit just because it's so intense. And so that's kind of how I came came to with, and I thought, I gotta ask my mom. But I was like, but it was 5.30 Texas time when I woke up, because Cohen's got soccer in the morning, and I gotta get him to school at the crack of dawn. So I was like, I gotta let enough time go by before I wake her up, and so, anyway, I'm like watching the clock. Finally, it gets to what I felt like was reasonable time to give my mom a call, and I said, Mom, I was praying for your pelvis. Is your pelvis hurting? And she said, yes, it's been on fire. She said, I've been waiting for somebody to stand with me on this, 
And I said, well, I think God's healing the pain in your pelvis. And so she said, well, it feels better this morning. So then I checked in with her later that day, and I said, how's the pelvic pain? And she says, it's gone. <clears throat> and then I checked back in a couple days after that, and she said, it's gone. And I made this connection that God told me he was waking my spirit man up. And then while I was physically asleep, my spirit man was being active. And I thought, oh my gosh, it, was, it wasn't late night pizza. It was really the word of the Lord to me, you know, <laughs> that he's really waking me up. And, and I just, the revelation, I'm sharing this to you because I, I thought I was with it. And, and I'm not saying I wasn't with it, but, but I just am realizing there's, it's like the whole, hey, I'm pulling you closer. And if you come more awake and more aware and more perceptive to what I'm up to, then you're going to have to have your, your senses a little bit more alert. And so what I want to invite us to today, if I could, is um, to be all in on our dreams with God. Because somebody asked me even after the encounter in, the, in my dream with praying for my mom, and then my spirit man, God telling me it's waking up, somebody said, hey, what are you dreaming about? And I realized I didn't have a good answer. And then I thought, I don't ever want to be a place in my life where I don't feel like I, I know my dream. I feel like God has put appetite and dream inside of us all, that if you find yourself in a place where you're like, I don't know what I'm aimed at. I don't really know what I want. I don't know, God, what, what I'm going after. Then that's why I want to invite you to say, okay, God, wake me up to my dream because I got to be all in on what you're inviting me to. And so I think that that's uh, on the table today. 1 Peter 2.11, it says that fleshly lusts bring on spiritual warfare for our soul. What's a fleshly lust? It's a misdirected appetite. You have desire inside of you. You have deep appetite inside of you. When a fleshly lust creeps in, now it's that appetite just simply misdirected, misguided, pointed at the wrong thing. And so we see the disciples in their journey with Jesus, they have appetite. In fact, one of the themes of their appetite was we want to be great. We have an appetite to be knocked down the best. Great. Hey, Jesus, what's it going to take for us to be great? And the interesting thing about their appetite for that is that Jesus doesn't squelch it. He simply redefines it. He doesn't say, hey, being great is not good. <laughs> he says, being great is actually good. Let me tell you what great looks like. And they thought being great meant, you know, having all the power, bossing everybody around, being at the top of the ladder. And Jesus said, actually, being great is being more like a child. It's being more like a servant. It's, it's, it's actually, that's greatness. But greatness is good in the kingdom. Your appetite is actually right. And the thought, you know, of being um, in charge of everybody uh, is more of a religious thought. And, and so, you know, Jesus was, was redefining what they were hungering for, what they were craving. And so we've got appetites that we get to direct. We actually get to direct them. And so there's a lot of uh, opportunity and authority put on us by God for the appetites that are inside of us, that we, that we have inside of us. 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, um, earnestly pursue spiritual gifts. That same earnestly pursue expression is actually the same lustful idea. Now, when we think of lustful, like 1 Peter 2.11, we think it's maybe more of a sexual content, but that's obviously not what it is here. It's saying eagerly, passionately, almost aggressively pursue these things, spiritual gifts in this case, and, and demonstrate um, who he is through our passion for more of him. 
And so we have directed passion, we have directed desire, we have rightly directed appetite, and then there's also misdirected appetite, both of those things. And so, so we get to pay attention to that. And in, and in this section of John 14, 15, 16, 17, maybe even starting in 13, it's like primarily all the words of Jesus, so it's really rich scripture. Um, four times in that little stretch of scripture, Jesus tells uh, his disciples that what you desire, the appetite that you have, will be given to you. And so it's not a wasted appetite. It's not, oh, hey, we're going hungry on this deal. You've got real desire in you that God really wants to see come through in you. And most of us have been in church long enough that we've seen misdirected appetites around us. We've, we've seen people all in the name of Jesus try to self-promote or self-preserve or build an empire or build a name all in the name of Jesus. And we've seen some of it to the point of nauseation, frankly, because it's misdirected appetite that's inside of a person. But the appetite that's in them is not necessarily wrong. It's just time to direct the appetite, the hunger that's inside of us. And there are some expressions of God, I believe, that will only be displayed on planet Earth through the lived out desires of the people of God. And so if you put a stake in the ground on the side that says, um, I'm not going to actually pursue my dreams or my appetites, and I'm just going to let everything sovereignly unfold and then just try to go push forward whatever I see, then there's going to be aspects of God that are never actually seen on the planet because you never dreamed. It's important for the people of God to look inside and say, what are the appetites and the desires and the things I crave inside of me? And God, how can those be directed towards you to show the world who you are and how you are and to create with you in a way that can bring heaven to earth because there is no military might invasion to get certain aspects of God on the planet. It's you, it's me. And if you've fallen asleep or you've gone lazy or you've gone absent-minded, then there's gonna be parts of God that the world doesn't get to see. So that's why this is a big opportunity for us. And so we've been invited into this covenant where we pray and then something happens. So there's two sides of the coin. There's the sovereignty of God's side of the coin that says, hey, God is sovereign and he will do what he will do and we don't want to violate that. And then there's the other side of the coin that says, well, since God is sovereign, then what difference does it make if I participate or not? It's just experienced and stepped into. And it's not a weight it's an opportunity. It's a, oh my goodness, we get to kind of thing. And now you get to discover your kingdom calling and you start to say, okay, this is my wiring. This is how I've been put together. This is my passions. You know what I would love to see happen is this. Can I paint a picture with this? I mean, we're painting pictures. Could we paint a picture of what this could look like? Well, who's gonna do that? Well, God's put the appetite in you. You're gonna do it. And we're gonna direct that desire. We're gonna direct that thing. And we're gonna see the world explode with the goodness of God. We have such a role to play and we're not going to let lazy theology get in the way of that. You know, years ago, there were some mission organizations that started to target in prayer what we call the 1040 window, the piece of geography on our planet where so many Muslims live. And people began to pray that God would visit them. A dangerous place, you know, when it comes to, 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 to Jesus in that area. And so all of a sudden... As people began to partner in the journey of relationship with God for this area, we started hearing stories and stories about visitations of the man in white 
coming in the dreams of the people that were living in that space. In fact, there was a documentary, I think it was in 2006, called More Than Dreams that was put out. It chronicles, I think they may have even done a couple volumes of it, but it chronicled at least five people's story of the dream that you know, Jesus had showed up. And I even heard of one account where one, the guy, would, he would stand at the, front, the doors of the mosque, and as people were coming in, he would say, hey, have you seen the man in white? And if they said no, he's like, and they would just go on in. And then he'd say, you know, ask the next person, have you seen the man in white? And if they said yes, he'd say, would you go stand over here? And they'd go stand over there and he would wait till enough people who had seen the man in white were pulled up in that area that he would take them to the side and he'd say, hey, let me tell you who the man in white is. And they would meet Jesus. Why was that happening? It was because of concentrated prayer and declaration and decree that a certain group of people would begin to have visits from the Lord. And so absolutely, God is involved in your role in, in the things that you say, I'm feeling a passion for this thing. I think I'm gonna go. I think I'm gonna go for it. And God's like, yes, you're going for it. Here I come to direct it. So last summer, I was not taking four boys to school. And so I had a chance to kind of recreate my mornings. And I spent uh, the first hour, this sounds really disciplined. It's actually one of the highlights of my life. <laughs> this, was, this was kind of a first. I spent the first hour of my morning on my back deck with my computer, and I just felt inclined, this is these appetites that are inside of you, right, to write about anything I had prayed for in my life that I had seen God make an obvious move on. And so last summer, I was 40 years old. I came up with 38 stories, and I'm pretty sure at age one and two, I probably wasn't praying for a whole lot, you know, kind of still coming too. I realized at least, and there's probably others I didn't even think of, but for three months in last summer, for the first hour of my day, I just was writing about everything I could think of that I had prayed for and seen, oh my gosh, God, there is a clear connection to what I prayed and then what happened. And just as a faith booster, and I was thinking about those again as I was thinking about today and thinking about the appetites that are in us and the dreams that are in us that need to come back awake, that maybe were awake one time and now they've fallen asleep or maybe they never woke, never, never came to knowledge and God's wanted to show us those that they're in us today. And I was thinking about this volcano that we prayed for in Indonesia a couple years back ago. And I mean, you're like, is that significant? Well, it was to all the Indonesians who got evacuated and their forecast was, hey, this mountain is gonna blow and it is gonna destroy and it is gonna kill. And there were thousands of people in the destruction path. And so we knew some missionaries that were over there in, in Indonesia. And so they said, hey, pray, because we're all, you know, the airports are crowded and there's a pinch point. We can't, people are afraid they're not gonna be able to get out in time. And so we just, okay, we have a Monday night prayer meeting. And so I was actually in charge of helping put some prayer stations up on the wall in this prayer meeting that we had on Monday nights. And so I did a little research on what the forecast was so I could maybe bring up some specifics. And we put this volcano that was imminently gonna blow and destroy life on the wall. And um, the date came, as we prayed, the date came that the pro projected explosion window was supposed to happen and it just steamed a little bit. And they said, well, they're just pushing the projection back. They're seeing all the volcanic activity underneath and the magma's moving and it's gonna do its thing. And so we just kind of kept praying and we prayed for about, I don't know, a two month, maybe six week window and they finally just canceled the projection. And so, well, I guess our seismometers or whatever it is, they're not working right. And so I wrote about that last summer and I thought, you know, all the people who do all of the research and the projections and they look at the, the history of, of all the, they're not gonna know that anybody in San Marcos, Texas was praying for this, likely. But the kingdom of God knew and directed what we were up to as we caught wind of something and said, what if 
it didn't explode? What if all these homes didn't get destroyed? What if we participated? And there are all kinds of things all around us to participate in. God's like, what do you want? There's that over there. There's this over there. There's this this person. They've never encountered anybody like you before. Go encounter them. Go put your kingdom calling on display. I mean, it is a wide open gamut for you and for me to say, what if it's that? There's not a lack of opportunity. But if your dreamer's asleep, then you don't know that there's opportunity. You don't know to be all in. You don't know that that's even a possibility for you. Luke 9, 54 Um, are a couple of characters that are maybe worth paying attention to as we're having this conversation. When the disciples, James and John, that's who we're talking about, the sons of who? Thunder. It's like we need the wrestling music, you know, come on in. Um, Jesus named them that, by the way. Uh, They asked Jesus, they said, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven and destroy these people? Who's he talking about? They're talking about the Samaritan village that just rejected their message. Oh, you don't want what we got? Hey, Jesus, want us to call it? We'll do it. We're the sons of thunder. We'll call down fire and we just wipe them all out. We're dreaming of it. It's our passion. It's our appetite. Um, This is a prayer Jesus refused to answer. James and John, um, they were in the crowd in this little section of John 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, when Jesus is saying four different times, whatever you pray and ask for, I will give you. So they're probably putting two and two together saying, I just heard you say that if I ask for it, you'll do it. So can we destroy these people please with fire? There's a couple of prayers that Jesus won't answer. God will not answer a prayer, a dream, an appetite that he'll have to violate his nature to answer. Um, He won't answer a prayer that undermines your purpose. And these guys had purpose. And he won't answer a prayer that weakens your identity in Christ. These guys were named the sons of thunder and they probably, you know, shrugged their shoulders and bowed up a little bit and said, okay, if that's our identity, but they needed a a redefining of their identity. They weren't sons of thunder to destroy life. Jesus actually answers them and and he says, hey, I didn't come here to take life. I came to give life. And you guys are the sons of thunder because you're to take a bullet for the next guy. And you're to live passionately and fiery for the things that are on my heart. And so let's take what might be a fleshly lust and let's direct it to be in line with what my heart is. I don't want you to hear me talking today and think, well, if I can dream it, then it's gotta be automatically the will of God. As you walk with the the tenderness of of Jesus and the Lord and you catch his spirit, because that's the word he used. He said, you don't know what spirit you're of. He said, my spirit, my spirit's the spirit that gives life. My spirit's the spirit that creates. My spirit is the spirit that transforms for good. And that's your purpose and that's your identity. And so they, they needed some, some shaping, some refining to understand, oh, that's what my identity means. That's what sons of thunder means. And this desire to self-vindicate because of rejection by a community or a person, it undermines the purpose of God and, and he has a better plan that your dreams can help push forward. And so every one of us are invited to this this relational journey, this partnership with King Jesus and see things happen when we pray and when we declare. And uh, Psalm 105, if you you wanna read along with me, you might flip it open. I think we've got the the scripture here, but it recounts the story of Joseph and this is really, really relevant. 
In verse 16, he called down famine on the land and destroyed all their supplies of food. (laughs) And he sent a man before them named Joseph, who was sold as a slave. And they bruised his feet with shackles. His neck was put in irons till what he foretold came to pass, till the word of the Lord proved him true. And the king sent and released him, and the ruler of people set him free. He made him master, talking about Joseph, of his household, ruler over all he possessed, to instruct his princes as he pleased and teach his elders wisdom. Then Israel entered Egypt, and Jacob resided as a foreigner in the land of Ham, that's his dad, And the Lord, listen to 24, the Lord made his people very fruitful. He made them too numerous for their foes, for the enemy. And then he turns the enemy to hate his people, whose hearts he turned to hate his people to conspire against his servants. I think it's maybe a little divine comedy here that in in 24 and 25, that God, um, he, he strengthens his people, makes them strong. And then after they're strong, he turns the hearts of his enemies against them to hate them, stirring up this conflict. And, but it's a correct order. It's like, he doesn't say, hey, enemies are gonna hate them and now we'll try to recover and make you guys strong so that they don't beat you up too bad. He first strengthens his people, makes them strong, builds them up, stronger and more numerous than the enemy. Then he comes over here and says, hey, stir up the spiritual conflict that ensued these guys already had everything that they needed to win in the battle. When, when you and I dream, directed dream and des- directed desire with right identity and right purpose in us, then we have every tool we need for every spiritual conflict that we find ourselves in. <clears throat> now, if, if it's fleshly lust that gets you into the spiritual conflict, now the only way you have victory is to repent your way into victory. And you can do that, but that's not your first play. That's, that's going to be a lot more tedious and, and painful for you. And so um, he doesn't shame his people. He, he lets them get into a jam because he wants to bring destruction on the powers of darkness, actually, is what he's up to. And that's what he's up to in your life when you dream, is he wants to build the kingdom and push the kingdom of darkness down, and you're a key player in that. And you have access to all the tools that you need to do that and to cause the enemy to loosen his grip of stealing and killing and destroying and all these things that he'd love to be up to. Garth, I'm thinking of that. I don't know where you're at. I'm thinking of that vision that you had this morning, man. Uh, I won't share it, but it was, it was vivid and elaborate and it makes me want to go draw a picture of it right now. <laughs> but talking about having the tools to the enemies, he's just not what you thought he was. But verse 19 and 105 here, this is important. Till what Joseph foretold came to pass, till the word of the Lord proved him true. This can almost be a bit puzzling at first because the implication here is that Joseph actually said some things that maybe weren't from God, they were actually from Joseph. Till Joseph's word came to pass, then the the word of the Lord proved him true. And then the dream came to happen and fulfillment happened. I think that a lot of times we find ourselves just simply waiting for the directive and the instruction of the Lord and say, hey, could I get the 10-step list, please, that I need to check off to do for you, God? That's what all servants want. They want to know, hey, okay, it's three miles down the road. Cool, take a ride at the stop sign, all right. That address, got it. Say this, I'll say it, done. What else, God, what else we got? And, and, And sometimes when you're walking with the Lord, there are specific instructions and directions for God for us to obey. 
Other times, the word of the Lord is go. And you're like, can do. Where are we going? I don't know, just don't stay here. Go. Okay, you mean like just start? Yeah, go. Well, I've always kind of liked this thing over here. Can I go there? Yeah, go there. Okay. It's easier to steer a car that's moving than to steer a car that's sitting still. So you might as well get moving and then God can steer where you need to go. Uh, I think Joel said it last night. He said, you know, there comes a point. In fact, where Jesus said this to his disciples was in the middle of him saying, whatever you ask, I'll give you. He then tells them, he says, hey, I don't call you servants anymore. I actually call you friends. A friend actually gets to create with their friend. A servant alone just takes marching orders. Now, when you become a friend of God, I'm not saying that you abandon the heart of service. We always serve. We love to serve. Jesus was the ultimate servant. Jesus is still serving you right now where you sit in the pew. Serving still happens, but the mindset changes. The mindset now is, okay, I'm gonna go. God, I'm going over here. You, you on this? God says, actually, I'm on this over here. Cool, we'll steer this way. But he's probably saying, hey, the reason you're wanting to go that direction is because I'm pushing you that way. There's some gold over there, go. We were at camp last summer with our youth group and Robbie Dawkins, who's a, a monster in the faith, an evangelist, he was, he was speaking to the kids and blowing their hair off. And he said, uh, he, he was telling all the stories of his time in the Middle East. And I mean, the guy like, would come this close to death. <laughs> like telling him about the, the isolation chamber and how he nearly froze to death. You know, it was crazy. And he said he would explain these stories of what God was up to, but then also the risk that it took for them to happen. And people would come back and say, Robbie, are you sure you have a word from the Lord that you're supposed to go? And he said, you know what I tell them? I got five. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, all say go. He goes, yeah, I got a word from the Lord. He said, I'm not um, just a servant in the kingdom. I'm actually an heir. And heirs and princes and princesses, they don't have to go, hey, king, am I, am I allowed? Or, can I do this over here? The king's like, bro, you're, you're my heir. You have everything I've got. It's all with you. You have it too. Go and create. Robbie's like, man, I'm on the adventure of a lifetime with God as I'm going and he's coming with me. So I do, I, I do, I wanna be careful. I keep having a feeling like, man, I gotta put the disclaimer in here, but I probably just need to not put the disclaimer in there so much. We're, we're not bossing God around. We're not saying that every dream that we have is automatically the will of God. What I am saying is that don't play it so safe that the will of God never comes through you because you just simply sit on your hands and wait for something obvious. There are, I believe, so many believers who frankly, are getting passed by by unbelievers who are actually following biblical principle for dreaming better than they are because they're not getting so hung up on, well, what if I get it wrong? They're like, what if I get it right? What if there's a cure out there? What if there's a, 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 an opportunity to create something that changes the world? And so, oh my goodness, the people of God are actually the ones who have all the tools that if we could actually step into the dreaming and the doing with the Lord, what greater things could even be happening than those that don't have access to the tools? They're just following the principles of dreaming. Yeah. 
So if you can't tell, this is kind of challenging me personally a little bit. Um, goodness. I have the presence and the voice of God that confirms the steps I take in my life. Proverbs says that the mind of man plans his ways, but it's the Lord who directs his steps. And I don't wanna be a believer that stands still for years waiting for the direction of the Lord. I wanna be moving so that God can direct me. And getting the roadmap before you set out on the journey usually doesn't happen. It's oftentimes what we pray. In fact, we might be a little bit um, bummed to find out how many of our prayers actually look like, oh God, if you could just tell me, if you could just show me, and God's like, I actually have this incredible adventure in mind that if you'll go and trust me and watch how I unfold this with you, it's gonna be so good. But if we don't take the step, we're just like, yeah, but God, could you show me? Could I, could I just get a sign? Could I, just, could I just get some confidence, please, that this is gonna work? Do I, do I really move there? Do I really take that job? Do I really talk to that person? Do I really, I mean, are you really gonna heal them if I actually go pray for them? I mean, what if you don't? Can you imagine the fool that I, you're, forget me, you're gonna look like God. And he's like, hey, I'm pretty secure. The minded man plans his ways. That means we, we've learned to dream. We, the minded man has learned to think about who God's made us to be. And so we pay attention to these appetites, letting him redefine what greatness actually looks like. And as I go with God, he comes along and gives me the steps. And so Joseph, until the time when Joseph's word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested, the, the word of the Lord cut, the, the word of the Lord refined and, and, and made him who he was so that he could be successful. Here's the deal. When you say yes to the dream, you open the door for God's word to come in and start disciplining you. And you want that. And I think a lot of times we say, um, isn't it circumstance that disciplines? I don't think it's circumstance that disciplines. I think it's the word of the Lord that actually disciplines and molds you and shapes you and makes you sharp. You say, what about Jonah and the whale? Well, that was a circumstance. I think the whale was just meant to get Jonah's attention so he could listen to the word of the Lord that could actually put him where he needed to go. And so when you say yes to the dream in your heart, you're saying okay to the word of the Lord and it's the word of the Lord that we need that shapes us. It's the word of the Lord that's been around this whole weekend that I feel like all these testimonies that we've been hearing has been built on. The words of the Lord are so powerful and he's ready to give them. He wants you to say yes to your dream that he's put inside of you. You may have believed that God is interested in fulfilling your needs, but you may have had a harder time believing that God's interested in fulfilling your wants. And if all God is is a need fulfiller, then he's just really um, the leader of an orphanage who makes sure you have a place to sleep and a warm coat in the winter and three meals a day. But if he is who Jesus came to show him to be, that he's actually a father who wants to have sons and daughters, then it's so much more than just your needs. It is the kingdom and all that's in it that maybe we've been a little bit asleep to. Maybe, maybe it's been a little invisible to us. And God is saying, I wanna wake you up. And so I feel, I feel two things pretty strong. I feel... I feel like there's a group of us in here that need a dream. 
You feel maybe a little bit like you're shooting blind and don't even know why you're pulling the arrow back because you're like, I don't even know what the target is. So you need a dream today. And then I feel like there's some others of us in here. You're like, I got a dream, but I don't have courage. And I don't have courage to, to take the next step in this dream. And you talk about the car moving so God can steer it. I don't even know where the keys are to start the thing. And God wants to give you courage for your dream today. And so, um, so I want us to respond to those two things in particular. Um, and then in also practicing prophetic stuff here, which I'm vowed to do, God has been talking to me this morning about headaches. And I don't have one, but my family, I feel like, has been having headaches a lot lately, my boys. And I feel like today during worship, God was highlighting headaches to me. And he said that um, that's, that's a bunch of lies. Yes. And so if you have a headache in here, or you've been having headaches, um, I just feel like God said, don't, don't let the day end without praying for headaches. So does anybody have a headache or you've been having headaches in here? Would you raise your hand really high? Maybe even stand up, just because I, I think that God really is, is showing this. There's a little guy over there. If you're around somebody, we're just gonna dismiss headaches real quick. And then we're gonna get on to praying for dreams. Yeah, so everybody, if you're around somebody, just lay a hand on them. This is part of the relational journey that we're on with God to agree and partner with him. Yeah. Yeah, headaches, we speak to you and we exercise our authority right now as the sons and the daughters, the key holders of dreams. And we dismiss the plan right now that has been on the enemy's mind to cause headaches. I'm praying in particular for my boys. I feel like every time, you know, they, well, my head hurts. No more of that trash. No more of those lies. God, if there's seri more serious matters that are trying to brew, that are causing headaches with anybody, we cancel those as well. So the lies of, of the pain of the headache and then also anything that might be true, which is also a lie, uh, trying to brew that's more serious, dismiss and cancel right now. So headaches, we need you to hear us right now. We're speaking to you. We're speaking to the infirmity and we're saying it's done and today is the last day. And, and we've almost become used to maybe saying, oh man, my head hurts again or something. God, we're, we're reforming the words coming out of our mouth. Now my head feels better. It feels great. There's relief in the name of Jesus, Lord. So we partner with you. I tell you, thank you for highlighting this because we know that when you highlight something, it's because you wanna deal with it to get it out of the way so that we can have clear feeling heads so that we can use our mindedness, like Proverbs says, to be a minded person to dream with you because there's bigger things at stake than having nuances, the, 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 the headaches that are in our way, they're distractions. So in Jesus' name, be gone. Yeah. Okay, anybody, anybody feel better in your head? Did you have a headache in here? Maybe you didn't have one. Anybody had one today? Your head feels better? Come on. Thank you for that, Jesus. got one more <laughs> it's it's right here in the lower back and I feel like there's some folks who maybe you're having to re redevelop how you're putting your socks and shoes on in the morning because your back is just in the mornings especially it just right there in the in the center back has been causing you such a, a problem such a pain does anybody have a lower back like a pinched nerve Kenny okay yeah there's one right there there's a couple more all right, same, same, same thing, people of God. Lay, lay your hands on that spot, maybe in the, in the small of the back. 
Okay, just as we dismiss the headache, and you're praying too, you're making de declaration over this spot. Lord, we, we dismiss the pinched nerve. God, whatever is causing that nerve to pinch or that, that bone or that fragment or that vertebra or whatever it is, the misalignment, we pray for a, a coming in of alignment right now, Jesus. I thank you for showing us this. I thank you that it means you wanna, you wanna take care of the pain. You don't want your kids to be in pain, so back be better. Yeah, be, be better in Jesus' name. The thought of how I need to get this surgically repaired one day, not even on the table anymore because it's better and because it feels better. And so full range of motion bending over, come. Ease of socks and shoes in the morning, come. No more having to funny contort our bodies to get our socks on. You care about these things, Lord. We're your children, we're the heirs. Thank you for what you're doing, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for healing our backs. Yeah, God. Yeah, you know, there's just, there's so, there's so much opportunity that we don't need the distractions of, of body aches and pains, you know? And believing that, oh, it's just part of getting older. That's crazy. These bodies were made, I mean, do you know how amazing your body is? Do you know how many rods and cones you have in your eyes so you can see a thing? It is hundreds of millions. You're so, in, you're so amazingly put together. So a pinched nerve, no problem for God. Thank you, God. Okay, so if you need a dream today, would you just stand to your feet? You're like, I, I'm floating, man. I, I'm like, what am I actually doing, God? Where am I heading? What, I'm in a new season of my life, you know. Maybe you're in winter time. You feel like, man, I'm in winter right now and I'm waiting for spring. I am waiting for some buds to come on the vine, but I don't see any blossoms. And I feel like three months has been up already. You know, it's like, it's time for spring. And you're like, I'm just in winter. I need to see the sunshine hit the plant so it begins to blossom. And I can say, oh yeah, that's, that's what I'm aimed at. That's my dream. That's the appetite. Okay. Yeah, just put your hands like this. I just wanna pray for dreams right now. Lord, I pray for fresh dreams right now. I pray right now that the mind of him and that the mind of her would begin to wake up Wake up, O oh sleeper, to the dreams that God has for you. Mm, God, I'm, my hand is up. I am not playing around. Lord, I pray for dreams to come. I pray for more than ideas. God, I pray for new direction. I pray for fresh vision. I pray for the things that we smelled once upon a time, that we thought there might be something there, and now that fragrance has drifted off to return. I pray we'd walk by the juniper bush and smell it, and that fragrance would take us back to a moment and we'd meet you there in it.
you need courage for your dream, why don't you join them and stand? Because God's going to give you courage. He's going to give me courage. strong and you make the way easy you make it a lot of fun and you bring joy in the scenarios that we concoct in our mind that seem maybe scary you show us that they're not scary make believers out of us, God. And like an air pump pumping air into a ball, you just bring confidence, God. You put confidence in us, Jesus. You make us the most hopeful people on the planet, Lord. And our hope is so contagious people who are drowning come up next to us and they see how much hope we have they're like I'm getting that hope 